This is the Patriot Radio News Hour, brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group. For all your gold and silver buying needs, call them at 1-800-951-0592 or log on to allamericangold.com. Broadcast for Tuesday, December the 15th, 2015. Good morning and welcome to the Patriot Radio News Hour. Wealth insurance, it's what we do, the physical delivery of gold and silver. Thank you for joining us this morning, wherever you are. Bundle up, it's a little bit cold. Give us a call, though, at 1-800-951-0592, and the lovely Wendy's right there at the phone to take your phone call, answer your question, just walk you through your order, or you can go check us out at allamericangold.com. The website, the show, everything is brought to you, paid for and delivered to you by the CEO and owner, Joe Jaquint. It's a Tuesday morning, and I know you've been hard at work studying, making little yellow stickies for today's episode of The Creature from Jekyll Island. Are we ready? We're going to do another installment uh, today. We're going to talk about what really is money anymore, and it's just so appropriate as the Federal Reserve we're about 24, a little over 24 hours away from what is supposed to be the first rate hike in almost a decade, almost seven years of 0% rates. And what does it all mean? And how does it go into effect everybody? And the realities are pretty simple. What they want you to believe and what the actual realities are 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 just so vastly different. And, And somehow, somehow they've been able to get the mainstream media and you get all of the the pundits out there matter of fact you've got channel after channel dedicated to preaching the the falsehood that really is the federal reserve what nothing more than a huge power grab generated a century ago by a very few elite wealthy men and when I mean wealthy, I mean these were you're talking about at the time the wealthiest people in the world. And we're going to kind of go through all of all of that we can, at least in the time that we have in, in today's show, about what happened to money. Where did it go? Well, it really didn't turn into uh, French hens or turtle doves or partridges, right? <laughs> right? I mean, what did happen to money? What happened to it? And why does everything cost what it costs? And, of course, one of the things that you'll hear ad infinitum is about how one of the things that the Federal Reserve was supposed to do was to keep prices stable. And I guess if by stable you meant ever rising, then they've done their job. Right? Then they've done their job. Because that was really always the intent. The intent was never to have constant pricing. They didn't say that, right? They didn't say constant. They said stable. Stable could mean a lot of things, right? 
when we think about stable, stable, what do we think? Like a flat line, you know, a foundation. That's what we think stable is. At least that's what I think. Stability. Stability. Stabil- stability right. the, the essence of the word is stability. Right. It's strong. It's got a good base to it. You solid know, foundation. Solid. And and of course, when we sit here and we look at what we've been talking about, and and we've got nothing close to that. We've got volatility, right? We 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 have people that are freaking out on a on a daily basis. We have bond funds imploding. We have emerging markets that are scared to death of what the Fed may or may not do tomorrow. And of course, all of us are left with the realities about you know inflation, no inflation today. Miraculously, just such a great day. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, came out. That is the when the Federal Reserve and really the government tells us that they've looked at the numbers, they've cracked it all down, they've added it all up. And this is what it costs to be an American this month. And, of course, one of the the reasons for the 0% rates is there's been no inflation. Zero inflation. Right. All you people that are on fixed incomes, you know, your paycheck's going just as far. I mean, that's what you got to believe. you got to believe that. Now, of course, we know different. But today, for the first time in years, the core CPI, that's when you take out the food and the energy, because that's volatile. You take out the food, take out the energy. The core number hit 2% today. Now, of course, that doesn't do any of you on Social Security any good, because the Federal Reserve already said no, no COLA adjustments. The government's not going to give you any more money. But, of course, 2% is the magic unicorn mythical inflation number. See, we never knew what the number was exactly. But the Federal Reserve, since the financial crisis, decided to let us know what the mythical inflation creature looked like. Like And it looks like 2%, apparently. Isn't the Loch Ness Monster, you know, something that was a mystery? And it's shaped right. like a we, two? We tried to capture it. We just never, it's always fuzzy and out of focus. You know, we just can't quite get it. But today, beyond all hopes and aspirations, the mythical creature of 2% inflation, it showed up. And tomorrow, we're going to get that quarter point. Patriot Radio News Hour. We got a creature from Jekyll Island next. Today it's story time on Patriot Radio News Hour. We present The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin. And now, your host, Joe Jaquint. Yes, welcome. Good morning. It's freezing, at least here in Arizona. This is what we determined to be freezing. I don't care if people think we're wussified. I don't. It's like 
40 degrees outside. That's just crazy. And Joe has been walking through the office going, man, it's cold today. Man, it's cold. Uh, I'm like gone into every part of the office. such babies here. I can't believe it. People in the room. Did you see Denver? I did. Oh, they're getting blasted. Anyway. I don't like to, to, you know, I like to think that I'm the center of the universe, and what's happening in my hometown is all that's important. You are a magnet, I will tell you that, and the equator in you. have yeah. <laughs> So, today, huge day. And tomorrow, of course, is the announcement. Today, the meeting has started, and it just so happened that we are going to, to try to define what money is. And and really, G. Edward Griffin does it so much better than I ever could. So doing my quote-unquote research, I'm going to share it all with you. And I just want to give you a food for thought as Homer and I were talking during the break. You know, they tell us what the 12 days of Christmas cost, right? That's that's kind of a another inflation index if you want to use it. And Homer, and I didn't even look this year. But you told me something like thirty-four grand. Is that right? Thirty-four, thirty-eight. I can't remember right now. I mean, I, and we're down to ten days, so we've got uh, twelve drummers drumming. What's that running you? And you've got uh, nine, uh, eleven pipers piping. All I know is they're bringing a lot of noise. Bring the they're, noise. They're bringing, right, the, so noise. bringing the noise. And if I get any of that, it's gonna have to be outside. It's a little too loud. So we pick up with the creature from Jekyll Island talking about money, the history in the evolution of money. The emergence of gold as the universal money supply, the attempts by governments, and I'm gonna throw in a word, bankers, to cheat their subjects. They did it by clipping or debasing the reality that any quantity of gold will suffice for a monetary system and that more money does not require more gold. Of course, that's one of the arguments you hear from these quote-unquote super smart economists. Well, there's just not enough gold. You know, we can't use gold as money. And, And of course, the Actual, when you think about it, can there be a more, I want to use a more politically correct term than stupid, idiotic, uneducated, uneducated answer. But there's a great mystique surrounding the nature of money. It's generally regarded as beyond the understanding of mere mortals. See, this is. This is what they want us all to believe. It's just too complicated for me and you and all of our listeners to grasp well, let me just what tell money you, is. We're, we're so dumbed down, we can't put our hands around it. We just can't get a grip. Can't do it. Well, it's too complicated. Nor should you. I mean, you're not educated enough. The questions of the origin of money or the mechanism of its creation are seldom matters of public debate. We simply accept accept them as the facts of life which are beyond our sphere of control. And, you know, you think about this meeting that's going on. We have no control over it. 
It's our country, isn't it? Right? Isn't this supposed to be a government of the people for the people? It's supposed to be. Isn't that what it's supposed to be? Yet here we sit with absolutely no say and no control over any of these things. As a matter of fact, if anybody running for office tries to say we need to get control, what happens? Well, here comes the media. Oh, look at this guy. He wants to go back to the Stone Ages. Talk about, actually, you know, like Ron Paul. I don't know. Maybe we should at least audit these people. It all sounds logical. But heaven forbid, because you know what? You're just the, a regular American. It's too complicated. You don't understand what money is. In a nation which is founded on the principle of government by the people, and which assumes a high level of understanding among the electorate, the people themselves have blocked out one of the most important factors affecting not only their government, but their personal lives. And isn't that so true? How did this happen? We're talking about the financial health, not only of our nation, but of our own family units. And somehow, we've lost all power and control over it. And we, let's face it, America, we, we, we've let it happen, we have. And we can make the argument, well, you know what, double, uh, you know, I wasn't alive in 1913, so what can I do about it? Right, and this is kind of the whole thing, and and you look at the the attempts and how devious, and you you think about how much power these people actually have. I mean, you have channels; they run twenty four hours a day, flashing all the stock from all over the world and acting like that's somehow the center of the universe. And that anybody who says that, you know what, maybe we need to take one of the most, you know, they say money doesn't buy happiness, right? Isn't that the saying? That's absolutely right. Right. Money doesn't buy happiness. But all of us know it sure, it sure does help a whole heck of a lot, doesn't it? Well, listen, if you've ever been a... Broke, and you've ever been had a lot of money. Uh, you'd rather have a lot of money, right? I mean, either way, happy or unhappy, I rather have the money, right? The attitude is not accidental, nor was it always so. There was a time, and really, like the fairly recent past. Because you think about this, this this little experiment. And, and make no mistakes about it. It's truly just an experiment. That when the humble voter, even without a formal education, was well informed on money matters and vitally concerned about their political implications, major elections were won and lost depending how candidates stood on the issue of a central bank. 
See, it wasn't that complicated. We had people that, let's face it, back then, most people didn't even have a high school education, but they all understood the importance of money. And it says, you know, there's a great question that G. Edward Griffin asked. What is money? The first step in the maneuver was to scramble the definition of money itself. I mean, really, when you think about it, you ask, what is money? Give me the, you know, what's the definition of money? In July 20th, 1975. So this is four years after Nixon closed the gold window. And we are now what we'd call in the open era of fiat money. In the issue of the New York Times, there was an article that was called Money Supply, a growing muddle. And it began with the question, what is money nowadays? And I and I was fascinated by this because as we you know, any of you that have tuned in over the years know in the last decade or so they got rid of the money supply. They stopped reporting it. Because you know what, that was one of those things it was an attempt to define what money was, so let's just get rid of it. The Wall Street Journal August 29, 1975. The men and women involved in the arcane exercise of watching the money supply aren't exactly sure what the money supply consists of. <laughs> and of course, we used to talk about that all the time. We had no idea. And neither did the people that were watching it, so therefore now we don't even talk about it. Of course, as all of us know, the more money that's out there, the less it buys. 1971, a pro-international monetary fund, that's the IMF, as we like to call it now, the Seminar of Eminent Economists, couldn't even agree on what money is or how banks create it. That was the Wall Street Journal writing an article in 1971 as the IMF met, and they couldn't even come up with a definition for what money is. The main function of the Federal Reserve, well, it was to regulate the supply of money. Of course, as we know now, they no longer want to tell you what the supply of the money is. Yet no one is able to define what actual money is. How can we have an opinion about this, uh, about how the system is performing? We don't even know what the money is. The answer, of course, is we can't, which is exactly what the banking cartels want. So what is money? According to G. Edward Griffith, money is anything which is accepted as a median of exchange. And I think that's a pretty sound answer, right? If you accept it as payment, 
for a for a good or a service, that can be considered money. He classifies it in the following forms. Commodity money, receipt money, fiat money, and fractional money. And today we're just going to try to get to through commodity money. Understanding the differences between these forms of money is all we need to know to fully comprehend the uncomprehendable Federal Reserve System. And once we can do that, then we can actually form an opinion, a judgment, and regarding its value to our economy and to our, our family units and to our nation. Now, one of the things before we get there, what was the, before there was money, there was barter, right? Yeah, you I mean, could uh, trade chickens and all that other stuff. That's what you're talking about, right? Right. We'd barter. You bartered. And, Services. And through the evolution of barter, certain things started to become what I would say were the most commonly traded forms of barter. And most of that in the early times consisted of some form of commodities. Food, as an example. Cows was commonly used. Corn or wheat. And and as the society evolved, it eventually led to, to metals. Eventually, what man learned, when they learned how to refine crude ores, not crude oil, crude ores, and to craft them into tools or weapons, the metals themselves became of value. This was the dawning of the Bronze Age, in which iron, copper, tin, bronze, were traded between craftsmen and merchants. The value of metal ingots was determined by something novel, weight. We're going to come back and talk about the evolution of money when we return. Patriot Radio News Hour Halftime. He was Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour trying to figure out what is money and why is it that these private power bankers no longer want us to know how much money is being created if it's really truly money and G. Edward Griffin I think he does a great job let's just look at history how is it that thousands of years ago people settled on gold as being money? And why it's the only thing that has lasted. And all these little experiments, they all end the same way. They crash and they burn and they blow up and, and they come out and and try to tell you how it wasn't their fault. 
the the evildoers, it was their fault. So what is money? The primary reason that metals became widely used as commodity money is that they met all the requirements for convenient trading. In addition to being of intrinsic value for other and for uses other than money, they weren't perishable, right? That's a that was a huge factor, unlike cows or corn or wheat. I gotta turn the page, sorry that by that. They could be divided into smaller units. Right? It's kind of hard when you if you got a whole cow, right? And you just need a little bit. You're like, well, I just need I just need like the the, the leg. Well, now all of a sudden the rest of the cow has to get used by somebody, right? So you could easily make them into smaller units. It's not you know, for example, something that's not possible with like diamonds or whatnot. So it was unique to the metals. They are in great abundance, small quantities carrying higher values. But perhaps the most important attribute of the metal was their ability to be precisely measured. Right, when we go to the store, Right, they come out and they get, you know they scan it all. Right, matter of fact, we have a government agency called the Weights and Measures, and they go out to the stores and they price check them to make sure what that the items scanned match the price that's on the shelf. Right, and if the company does a bad job and and too many prices ring up incorrectly, they got to pay a fine. Because they want it to be precise. And they'll call that quality control. Quality control. Weights and measures. But yet we don't we don't measure what the Federal Reserve is doing. Right? We don't measure how much money they create. We don't measure how what their debts are. We don't measure any of it. But yet when you look at why money was what it was, the biggest single most important attribute was it could be precisely measured. I mean, think about it. If you weren't a farmer, and the farmer wanted, let's just say the farmer, he had a cow that you needed for meat, and you had, you know, maybe you had timber, right? And the farmer needed it to build a barn. Well, you're not a farmer. You look at the cow. I mean, what do you, well, I don't know, is that uh, 700 pounds? Is it 900 pounds? Is it 1,200 pounds? You don't know. How old's that cow? The farmer may know. You may not know, right? All of those things, which is what made using metal so valuable. It is important to keep in mind, in its fundamental form and function, Money is both a storehouse and a measure of value. 
It is the reference by which all other things in the economy can be compared. It is essential, therefore, that the monetary unit itself both be measurable and constant. The ability to precisely assay metals in both purity and weight make them ideally suited for this function. You know, and it's really, when you think about it, this process took hundreds of years to create. A lot of trial and error that went on. Now, today, they would like us to believe it's gotten so complicated. Right? It's too complicated for us average people to understand. Matter of fact, it's so complicated, we don't even want to measure how much money there is anymore. And you know what? We're going to actually stop telling you because, well, well, let's face it, the money, why did that happen? Why did they want to stop telling us? Well, because the money, the number got so ridiculously big, right? After a while, you're like, okay. You know, pretty soon people are going to be like, how much, how many dollars have you made up out of thin air? Right? And this is, this is why the 12 days of Christmas, I mean, I don't even know what some of the 12 days of Christmas would, would be, but someone has done it. But it's now $34,000, $35,000. Someone did the research and, and figured it out. There's a number online that says, you know, that from partridge in a pear tree all the way to 12 drummers drumming, it's going to cost you a year's salary if you're a teacher. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, uh, you know, gold rings, geese laying, you know, swans right? swimming, made the milking. It's, it's going to cost you a little bit. And we do. We compare a lot of times. You know, Eric used to always do the comparison back in when gold was money. A $20 gold piece and a cow were interchangeable, right? For decades, a $20 gold piece bought you a cow. The cow hasn't changed. The gold piece hasn't changed. Just that little thing called the Federal Reserve Note is the only thing that's changed. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. So what did we learn today? In, in this edition of Storytime, G. Edward Griffin explains to us commodity money and why it was that it became the basis for trade, and particularly gold and silver. And when you, when you look at, you know, I'll liken to this, here's the story I'll tell. Just pretend that Back in 1913, there was a guy, and he was going to the cattle auction. And he had $1,000, okay, $1,000, $20 bills. He had 50 of them. 
And I think all of us understand back in that time, if you were walking around with a thousand bucks, you're a pretty rich guy. More than likely, you were wearing a top hat. <laughs> right, right. But you're a pretty fancy dude. And back then, $50, $20 bills, of course, right on there, you could ex- still exchange those for a gold piece, but let's just say he had the paper. He could show up to that cow auction and buy himself a whole herd. Walk out of there with 50 cows. Now, on the way to this auction, he did a Rip Van Winkle, and he fell asleep. Now, he just woke up today, and he just heard about this Fed announcement, and he thought to himself, what was it I was doing? Oh, yeah, I was going to the cow auction. Going to buy me a whole herd of cows. Shows up with those 50 Twenty dollar bills, and he's not walking away with fifty cows, right? And just so everybody knows, they're not referred to as cow auctions. We like to call them livestock. All though. right, <laughs> all right. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> cow auction. I'm glad you're laughing at me. This is the story I was telling. Go on. I'm sorry. At the cow auction, we're folksy, right? Today. That cow that was $20 is now 1000 probably more. I don't know. I'm going to guess 1000 somewhere around there. I, I would assume that's pretty close. Sure. And as G. Edward Griffin points out, the cow didn't change. Now, if he had that in a $20 gold piece, right, if he had 50 $20 gold pieces in his pocket in 1913. He'd go to that livestock auction. How did you like to see what I did there? That was brilliant. He'd go to that livestock auction and still walk away with those 50 cows. See, the bankers hated that. See, this is what you got to understand. They hated that. Because it has such strong buying power. And they needed, in order for them to profit, they they needed to get rid of that. But he writes something that I thought was really the heart of what we do. It's merely that the relative value in talking about money and talking about inflation. The classic mechanism of inflation. Prices do not go up. The value of the money goes down. And so when they sit there and they talk about inflation on the television, like it's a great thing, right? And they're all depressed. When we can't get to that mythical inflation creature of 2%, of course, today, magically, they got there today. All does that really mean is the value of that worthless piece of paper just became a little less. The value of your money has become less. 
And no better illustration than talking about a hundred years ago being able to take a $20 Liberty or a $20 St. Gaudens and whether you went to an auction or you went to the farmer, you could interchange the two of them. If you did it in a $20 paper bill, today you would need 50 60 70 I'm not really sure. I don't go to livestock auctions. But we know it's up there. But if you still had the gold, you're still getting the cow. Because it's not the gold that's changed. It's not the cow that's changed. The only thing that's changed is the devaluation of the Federal Reserve. That's what fiat money is. And that's what they don't want you to understand. This is why they want this to be so complicated. This is why when the IMF met in 1971, once once the cat was out of the bag and we were going to go off the gold system, that none of these guys could even define what money was. And here's what's going to happen. And and how can I talk with such conviction? How can I be so positive? Because we're not the first country to try this scheme, this scam. We're just merely one in a long litany, and they always end up the same. And before it ends up the way all the rest have done, you better hope you have some. Because those are the only ones of the people that prosper. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. <laughs> Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour. And uh, Homer's still making fun of me for my cow auction. Well, let me tell you, it came from a couple sources while we're sitting there going, cow auction? <laughs> Would you let him know it's called livestock? Uh, hey, listen, you're from New York. Hey, what do I know? Right? I mean, I actually worked on a farm. It just wasn't a cattle farm. So it's not my fault. So anyway, as we sit here and we, you know, tomorrow, I'm going to tell you, is is going to be the tipping point. You know, they've been hammering gold for three years and and silver for three years. By the way, since they traded freely, since the 70s, we went off the gold standard, and and the the dollar was no longer worth. I think at the time it, it was $35, and then I think right as we're going off the gold standard, it went to $42, and then they said, ah, the heck with it. And now, of course, you know, you're sitting here and you're looking at gold at $1,063. And, and it just also proves the point of what it is that they are really up to talking about the this banking cartel which is to devalue your money now not for i we are sold out of silver and and everybody i've warned everybody about that and told you all about that 
Um, we finally got all caught up. Everything's on schedule. And and I will say that sometimes I'm not the greatest at, at realizing where we are. I actually have a case of Silver One. By the way, that case today, $8,875. And then I have 10 rolls. These are U.S. Silver Eagles at $355. And then I'm out. I had a little more than I thought when we actually got done and, and we went through all the drops and all that stuff. We had uh, 35 rolls left over. So we have one case of Silver Eagles at 8875 10 rolls of individual Silver Eagles at 355 If you would like to secure your cash, U.S. $20 gold pieces, they're $1,240, or essentially a cow. And I've got 50 of them, kind of like my little Rip Van Winkle story, that guy that had those 50 $20 bills. If you want a whole herd of cattle in the future, we've got 50 U.S. $20 liberties. Those are $1,240 at 800 951 Zero five nine two. Homer shaking. No need to head to the cow auction. <laughs> All right, livestock auction, cow auction. You get my point. Well, I first went to my chicken auction, and then <laughs> I went over to the heifer auction, and now I ended up at the cow auction. But you can do it all, but just by calling Patriot Trading Group at one eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Y'all come down now. Y'all come down now. You hear? <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize. There he goes. I got Ramoni. You two can be a bovine specialist. That's right. All you need to do is call up and get yourself some $20 gold pieces. 800 951 0592. Y'all come back now here. 